0: Welcome to the very first episode of a podcast we have yet to title. Um, By the time you are hearing this, we will have come up with a title and you have downloaded this under that title, but we don't have one yet. Who is we? Uh, My name is Drew. I'm Jeff. I'm Jeff. And uh, we... Well, we'll explain to you why we're doing a Young Ones uh, podcast in just a minute. But uh, first, we'll explain what we're going to do. So basically, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the episode a little bit. Or actually, we'll just talk about the Young Ones uh, to begin with. We will then uh, play the episode in a way that you can sync up uh, and and join us and watch the episode. So basically kind of a a commentary. Uh, And then afterwards, we'll talk about the episode and find out if we really have anything to say about it. Uh, So if you are sitting at home going, uh, I really want to watch The Young Ones with Two Americans I Don't Know. uh, Now would be a great time to pause the podcast and go and get your DVD or otherwise legally purchased uh, copy or streaming of The Young Ones. I don't know if you can stream it anywhere right now. Hopefully you can uh, and get ready to do this. So we'll let you pause right now. Welcome back. I'm glad you got your legally purchased copy of The Young Ones ready to play with us. Oh,
1: sorry, I forgot to pause. My bad. Oh, no. Well, I didn't pause either. Okay, well, all right. We'll edit this part out. Yeah, okay. Thank you. No no problem.
0: (laughs) Uh, So, Jeff, uh, I just wanted to talk about uh, kind of our first experience with The Young Ones. So why don't you tell us first, like, when did you first see this show ever in
1: your life? Well, it was all your fault, you see. Um, <laughs> really yeah because uh, alright so I mean the young ones the, uh, came out in 82 and I don't uh, know I don't remember when it was first shown if I remember correctly in the US on MTV which would have been somewhere in the 80s but it was a you know, a couple years later a few years later or something like that and but I didn't see it until college which uh, considering the subject matter of the young ones is probably the first uh, the best place to encounter it as opposed to when you're nine years old which is what it would have been otherwise uh, if I'd seen it when it originally premiered um, so uh, I'm just trying to imagine how warped you would have been as a nine-year-old watching this show. <sighs> yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Uh, it's tough to imagine. <laughs> it would have warped my danny little mind. I, I want to say that in Car- nine-year-old Jeff. In Cartman voice. Um, but uh, yeah, so I was. It must have been my sophomore year and, and your, your freshman year, I think, um, because I, my exposure to Britcoms, uh, with the exception of um, something that rhymes with Mython uh, would have been uh, fairly limited at that point and and hitchhikers I suppose although I'm mainly mm-hmm. you know through the book and the, and the radio series at that point but yeah I mean um, I think through college that was the first time that I ever saw Blackadder the first time I ever saw Young Ones um, certainly Ab Fab although that premiered while I was in college um but well, that was the gate. Wow. That was the gateway drug at that point. And like I said, considering the subject matter, uh, I, I think that's the proper. That's the perfect time to encounter it. I mean, yeah, if I encountered it in high school, that would have blown my mind. Stuff like that too. But I, I like the idea of a college student uh, discovering just what he could be doing in college. Um, not that we ever blew anything up, or uh, <laughs> um, you know, maybe some bad poetry stuff. I know we did that. I know we have evidence of that. Yes. We, we probably bombed a few times on stage. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I, I was referring to, you know, the Campus Humor magazine, our bad poetry there, and and um, uh, not like I ever wrote bad poetry in real life. No, really. Mm-hmm. Honest. No. Um, well, this is blowing my mind, because I, I,
0: I don't think I realized that you hadn't seen the show until we watched it in college. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, it was, it was. That's kind
0: of amazing to me. It was your tapes. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. So... So we've, we've we've kind of flashed back a little bit, and now we're going to flash back even further to when I first saw The Young One. So I actually did see it on MTV, and so what was happening is that... Um, I forget when it started, but MTV started running a show called 120 Minutes, which was uh, an
1: alternative music show. Uh, what'd you say? I remember that. You, in, when MTV played music, right, I remember that.
0: Yeah, so um, uh, this was... Uh, I don't know if kids today know what alternative music actually is. Uh, But uh, back in the day, there was like mainstream music, which was hair metal. And uh, sorry, I guess I better define that, too, Uh, like Def Leppard, Poison, Guns N' Roses. All that stuff was popular. And then there was this other thing called alternative, which was things like REM and The Cure and Depeche Mode and uh, a bunch of other stuff. Just explaining this. We are old, aren't we? (laughs) <laughs> this is like a—it's uh, like an archaeological podcast yes. in a way. I mean, but honestly, people listening to this may not be uh, so young that they don't get this. But just in case, young listeners, now you know what's going on. So this show, 120 minutes, had all the best music on it. So instead of listening to the radio, what I would do is record this show. The thing is, it came on—I want to say from midnight to two. It was very late yeah, at it night. Was late. Maybe even on a weeknight. And so I would. Good God, this is another thing people won't understand. I set my VCR, which is a what's machine a VCR? That's Drew? like a <laughs> it's like a DVR, um, and uh, allows you to uh, record television. And television is like uh, a streaming service without the internet. This is hopeless. That's not possible. All these thi- all these references are are lost on people. Well, anyway, um, okay. So. You had to record a show like it was on when it was on. And uh, if you wanted to watch it, you had to use videotape uh, to record it and uh, and watch it later. So I would record 120 minutes because I, I didn't stay up late enough to watch it in real time. And plus, I just wanted to be able to fast forward through all the songs I didn't like. Um, and I think I don't know if I knew it was going to happen or if I had just set the the VCR to record a little bit more. Uh, because you know you would you would record past the time you thought the show would end just in case your clock and the station's clock were off, so that you, good God this is getting elaborate, um, so that you wouldn't. It's okay. Miss the end of we'll, the program. we'll edit the whole thing out afterwards. You know. Oh, perfect. Yeah, okay. Yes. Um, so I would I would set it to record the next five minutes or the next ten minutes or something like that just to make sure that I got all of 120 minutes. Um, and so after 120 minutes, MTV had started running Monty Python, The Young Ones, this thing called the Comic Strip Presents that we might talk about later. Um, and, you know, these British shows that I, I, I don't think at the time I'd heard of, uh, certainly had never seen until that point. So once I realized this was happening, I would set the VCR for longer so that I could watch these shows and record them. And that's how I ended up, you know, recording all the episodes of The Young Ones onto VCR, onto videotape from MTV. Uh, And I watched them, and they warped my teenage mind. Uh, I was probably, let's see, I I don't know, I was probably like 15 or 16 when this was going on. Uh, Somewhere in there. Um, so, yeah, that was the first time I saw Python, the first time I saw young ones, um, and I was obsessed. I would watch it over and over and over again until I actually could almost recite episodes by heart. Almost? Which brings us back to college. Almost. <laughs> almost. Well, probably almost. I mean, my memory's not that good. But uh, once Jeff saw them, he, his is much better than mine. Uh, and so uh, we were able to... Annoy our housemates (laughs) by quoting uh, lines from these episodes back and forth. We had
1: entire conversations that were, I mean, legitimate conversations that were plucked entirely using only lines from Britcoms.
0: Yeah, it's just as sad as it sounds, everybody. Oh, yeah, absolutely. uh, We enjoyed it. Um, It was a fun thing to do, and you can kind of relive the magical moments of this strange rude sitcom uh through the recitation almost like uh you know an oral history or uh quoting shakespeare or you know memorizing liturgical texts that was the young ones am i am i
1: exaggerating here you were both exaggerating and being absolutely correct at the same time and it's so sad and i grieve for myself as well um <laughs> well now that everybody
0: knows how cool we were uh-huh. um <laughs> So, uh, I don't know if there's too much else to say before we actually go into the, uh, the episodes, but if anyone somehow has gotten this far and has never seen The Young Ones before, um, and is about to watch it for the first time, which I suppose, like, one and a half people hearing this probably will be doing that, um, here's the premise of the show. So, uh, there's four college students, uh, living together, uh, they have wildly divergent personalities uh, there's uh, Vivian who's like a I, I guess a metalhead, head in uh, this just kind of like randomly violent guy um, you have Rick who is uh, oh sorry so Adrian Edmondson plays uh, Vivian Ade Edmondson is uh, Jennifer Saunders's husband Jennifer Saunders from Absolutely Fabulous uh, Rick Mail, uh, who people may have heard of or seen in other things, uh, plays Rick, who's basically like a, a political, a would-be political activist. Uh, he, he sees himself as a, as a very kind of like right-on socialist, um, but he's, he's kind of
1: pathetic most of the time. And Jeff, why don't you cover the other two? All right. Um, uh, Nigel Planer plays uh, Neil, uh, who's the hippie, um, who is... Uh, Uh, usually picked on by pretty much uh, everybody else at that point because it's easy and then there's there's Mike who is the uh, yuppie played by Christopher Ryan um, uh, who uh, uh, interestingly enough was one of the uh, of the original four that um, they came out of sort of the same alternative uh, stand-up scene and things like that Mike was the the one who wasn't Aiden and Rick had a a duo and and um, and Nigel was with I think it was Peter Richardson who I think they originally were considering mm-hmm. for that role, but I, I don't remember why he wasn't able to do that, and so Christopher Ryan stepped in um, and was was playing the uh, the yuppie uh, Mike, um, and, and uh, it's sort of funny. Oh, sorry. Finish what you were saying. Oh, I was—I was going to say—and then there's the the honorary fifth member, which is Alexei Sale, uh, yes. who plays uh, basically their landlord, uh, Jersey Belosky, and every single member of the Belosky family that stumbles in every every once in a while. And the and the show itself, um, the, the show itself, besides being kind of a showcase for his early '80s of really, um, there was a huge explosion of of like the British alternative. Um, uh, stand-up scene and, and comedy scene at that point and the number of people the number of them that show up over the course of only these 12 episodes is, is truly staggering um, and then um, uh, you know uh, uh, yeah I won't spoil the names of some of the others because uh, that you'll recognize <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll keep that as a surprise I suppose um, not that like you can't look this up on the internet but I, I know you guys you're lazy you're not going to look it up I wouldn't look it up who the hell cares wait till we do that episode just saying
0: <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, that's, that's the premise. The thing I was going to throw in earlier is that, uh, I don't know why I find this funny, but Peter Richardson, I think, uh, the original Mike was taller than maybe all the other ones, except maybe Nigel Planer. Um, and Christopher Ryan is considerably shorter, um, which I don't know, just adds something for me. Considerably. Um, considerably. Yeah. There we go. Our 1st uh, yeah, in-joke. So okay. I was wondering how long it would take. <laughs> Uh, yes, you'll you'll all learn soon. Hypothetical uh, kids who are listening to this. Um, so, oh, there was one other thing I was going to throw in, which is that uh, and this is really important, to, I think, why I got into the this, this show um, is that every episode had a musical guest or almost every episode. I think it's every episode. Um, and they were, uh, you know, popular bands at the time, some of which even, you know, I didn't even recognize because they were popular overseas and not in America. But um, they were, you know, some of them were were artists that I recognized and some of them were uh, musicians that I got into as a result of watching them on The Young Ones, uh, because I was very into the music I'd grown up with um, and from that time period. And The Young Ones was kind of a gateway into that. Um, It it felt like the world of my childhood in a way, uh, which kind of was
1: an attractive factor of it. With the exception of Amazulu, who, like, I have never heard of before or since. But, um, but but
0: who are referenced in a song by the band Suede, which is strange. Huh. Interesting. Maybe we'll play a snippet of it when Amazulu show up. Interesting. Um, speaking of playing things, you're probably sick of hearing us talk, so let's actually watch the episode. Um, so what we're doing is Jeff and I have this queued up um, we're going to count down to press play. And so you should pause this and uh, get yourself queued up if you're going to be watching this with us. All right. Uh, so, Jeff, are you ready to play the episode? Ready. All right. I'm going to say three, two, one, go. And on go, we will both press play at the exact same time. Ready? Three, two, one,
1: Go. And, of course, my disc is spinning up. That's okay. So is mine. Once in every lifetime. There we go. We might be slightly out of sync, but I think it'll be okay. Okay. If it's out of sync, we can sync it up. Oh, maybe. We're working through the logistics as we're talking right now. We think this is a way to, you know, have you experience what goes on behind the scenes. It's very exciting. (laughs) Uh, we'll see this title sequence, uh... You know, twelve more times after no, this. No, so we'll six. Plenty of six time to comment we'll see it five that. more times, right? Because the two seasons, they they have a different title sequence for the second season. That's true. Uh,
0: this is uh, this apartment is not seen again after this episode. Spoiler. I like Rick's uh, Rick's outfit to me seems very like a master sort of outfit, a Doctor Who
1: master sort of outfit to me. Oh God, that's scary. Rick is the master. <laughs> Like he's a little more stylish here than he usually is. <laughs> is he the master?
0: <laughs> so Cliff Richard, uh, again, uh, to these hypothetical American kids, uh, my understanding is he's sort of like uh, the UK Elvis.
1: And that's his uh, song. The Young Ones is um, a Cliff Richard song. Yes. Yes.
0: Neil is kind of the the dirtiest looking person I think I've seen on television when you look it's not even really that dirty but he just exudes this image of
1: well this this pulp. whole, I mean this whole sitcom is is grimy you know the idea of grimy college students and like you know when they talk about Star Wars having a lived in look at the universe they've got nothing on the young ones <laughs> i I love this bit for some reason he's
0: he this is a very intense problem for Neil. Actually this is how I feel in the kitchen all the time.
1: So it's funny, I don't remember this episode very well compared to the other ones. Uh, mainly they're still kind of finding their legs, and it actually wasn't on the first tape that you that you gave me, so or that, that you had pulled out. So uh, um,
0: so it's been yeah, a while. This, I actually saw this I actually saw this much later. I saw these all very out of order. Strangely, I'm not hearing any sound at this point from mine. Uh Uh-oh. But I also know exactly how it sounds, so it doesn't matter. Oh, people, this is a beautiful moment right here. I think what's what's always been funny to me about Rick's obsession with Cliff Richard, and I I think somehow I realized this at the time too, is that you know it's it's like this person who thinks he's very hip, uh, being very into like uh, what's a good equivalent because Elvis doesn't really square.
1: You're looking for square music, like Uh. Paul Anka. Yes, that's that's pretty good. Man,
0: foreshadowing. The other funny thing is I didn't have subtitles at the time, so I, I didn't really know everything that he was saying.
1: What is that painting or drawing on the wall? Is that a is that a mushroom cloud? Ooh, let's let's find out.
0: Neil is a very dark character
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, again, this is the first episode they were trying to set. Well, I was going to say maybe he mellowed later on No, he didn't
0: Yeah, he's he's very depressed This may be triggering for people, I, I hope not Sorry There's some more grossness coming up, I think And I th- my understanding is that at the time this was very unusual for a british sitcom to be this kind of
1: gross i mean there's there's certainly once we get to sick there's um there are definitely worse episodes than this uh on this but it's still for so mild it's funny looking at this my god 82 to two, nearly 40 years later
0: yeah <laughs> Uh, special Patrol Group. I forget it. I'm sure he must uh, show up in this episode later. I just don't remember. And enter Mike. Mike is very likable. I think I feel like Peter Richardson would have been a lot mm. less appealing in this role. Also, Mike because Mike's sort. Of, sorry, you, oh, I was going to say ahead. also
1: Mike speaking in the stage directions. I notice is a. Um, Influence on you, I suspect. Oh, it might have been. Uh, Spoilers, Drew did a play in college where I spoke entirely in strange directions. Man, you get the greatest info on this podcast.
0: (laughs) Rick is free associating here. (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) as I was saying, uh, Mike... Would seem, I think, a lot more dominant if he if he were Peter Richardson. No, you're right. I, I you're think absolutely right. He would right. seem like he was bullying people, but like as this kind of charming, uh, you know, less imposing guy, I, I think he's I think he's much more adorable.
1: Sort of. Mm-hmm. Ah, and here's kind of the first of many examples of when the young ones goes very surreal or goes into uh, outside of the main characters that it just kind of jumps into routines of their own. It's kind of a cutaway. Yep, it's a little Family Guyish cutaway. Don't you dare compare this to Family Guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they have like a disco in their their rat hole there.
1: You could say they've been nosing around. Oh, sorry, oh spoilers. I
0: don't think it's a spoiler if no one has any idea what you're talking about. Story oh, of my life. Guitar. <laughs> There's a lot of these Neil fake-outs where the thing he's upset about is actually quite different than you expect. That's <laughs> what he would have wanted. I, I suspect, and I haven't checked, that uh, some of these puppets are being voiced by uh, other comedians at the time, and that's why they're there, so they can get people doing these little guest bits. have a strange kind of uh, relationship in this episode as well sort of like messing with each other Rick doing it to Mike and now Mike doing it to Rick Rick is very woke or at
1: least he thinks he is he thinks he is My God, these are spoilers for later episodes. They kind of are
0: <laughs> another poem. remember how many times we get two poems an episode. Oh, actually, there's three. I remember another one later.
1: This is very timely. It's funny, I'd also forgotten that a certain person hasn't shown up yet.
0: That's true. Oh, God, it's coming up. Uh, House meetings were something that we had in the the dorm that we lived in in college as well and and it kind of the the name got spoken a lot in the voices of Young Ones characters Alright, remember this people <laughs> this is one of my favorite Rick lines ever, and
1: my there we favorite go. Vivian
0: entrances ever. <laughs> uh, Vivian. favorite character he's a very cheerful kind of like violent nihilist
1: the fact that he has such a great relationship with Mike is always what cracks me up because you figure they're two people that would not be friendly in in real life and yet they probably I mean they're probably the closest to the two alphas in the group I guess but um, their their Mm. relationship is fascinating
0: Vivian's a med student, too, if you didn't
1: pick up on that. Took me a while to sort of register that, which is a bizarre thing to imagine. I always picture that as being something from Animal House. You know, um, you better listen to him, Flounder. He's pre-med, referring to John (laughs) Belushi.
0: I think Mike becomes less cryptic after
1: this as well. I don't know, there's a couple things that a couple bits that I remember scratching my head and going like, what the hell is he talking about, but not as much. much. It's also funny seeing aid in other things after this and realizing oh, that's not the way he talks, which is funny because, you know, (laughs) this is the introduction I had to him, so I just pictured him speaking with the boys. I mean, you can hear it a little bit
0: oh. in his regular voice. Oh, true. Yeah, he's, he's not quite this uh, forceful in other things.
1: <laughs> Just looking at Rick Mayall's <laughs> face, like he has the, yep. the best set of faces throughout <laughs> this entire series. Ah, oh, there we go.
0: disloyal pet. is the payoff <laughs> Well, she's not wrong. And here is Alexi Sale I think is Jersey Bolovsky. Bolovsky.
1: What's that fish When I was like doing in this
0: <laughs> When I was younger I never really thought about How they must have done that scene But now I'm just picturing people throwing fake fruit and vegetables into Mike's lap.
1: The two people that have been in classic Doctor Who.
0: Oh my gosh, you're right. So Lexi's Tales, I guess, was a stand-up at the time yep. as part of this alternative comedy scene. So sometimes he sort of seems to be doing monologue material in the middle of the episode. Here's the monologue. (laughs) Back to the acting. I don't think I ever caught that before either. It's very educational. I'm surprised we didn't say absolutely
1: icebox more often. That's true. Well, I hadn't seen this episode very much, so... (laughs) Another great Rick look.
0: (laughs) He's very contentious in this episode. I think he gets more pathetic after this. I love that he strung this revelation out throughout half the episode.
1: (laughs) And here is our musical interlude. So, one thing is worth noting that, at least for, with the BBC, uh, and this goes back to, like, the Goon Show and... um, in the audio days uh, that you could get a bigger budget if you were budgeted as a variety show as opposed to just a comedy show. So in order to do that, you basically just stuck a musical act in and all of a sudden, boom, you've got a bigger budget.
0: Ah, brilliant.
1: You know, which, uh, yeah, and I mean, it's great that it captured certain sections of the zeitgeist and all that, but the truth is, it was just, they got more money that way. And and considering some of the stuff they blew it on for uh, some of the models or episodes or, you know, a gigantic sticky bun falling on people after having an elephant in the episode, I mean, you know, it's clear where they spent their money. (laughs) On giant sticky buns. Sorry, spoilers.
0: Oh, they'll forget by the time we get there. Okay, if they're still listening so with some of these bands I would just fast forward through them I think this is probably one of them but it's possible that I would like this now I mean I'm much more inclined to listen to Motorhead all the way through than it was back then
1: it's funny they sound almost a little Devo-ish oddly enough except um, without any message
0: Uh, and of course, I still can't hear any sound on my version of this video, so it's very odd to watch them hmm. flailing around and. Well, if it makes you feel like guitar around, <laughs> you're not missing anything.
1: <laughs> so- sorry, uh, nine Blow zero fans. Rick and
0: Vivian dancing. Mike is still stunned. Oh, Neil. I think of the four of them, Vivian is the one who changes the least when this starts into a, a real show as opposed to being this pilot. Yeah, I think you're right. I think is kind of always like this and everybody else changes just slightly. Oh, this is one of those moments where I was like, what the hell is going on? goes on for a long time. Is there a Chekhov reference here? Is that what's going on?
1: I don't know.
0: It must be. I'm embarrassed to say I don't know. A reference or a parody? Yeah. Uh, If you're listening to this at home and you're not in your car, why don't you look this up?
1: So these are Jersey's relatives. All right, it must be a parody. What'd you say? So these are Jersey's relatives, okay. Oh, maybe...
0: This is so honest. I
1: <laughs> All they need is one eyed Willie's treasure map. Oh, wait, never mind. <laughs> kind of like this podcast. Yeah, that's right oh this is brilliant I love how he sits Actually, directly like <laughs> how Rick is practically sitting it's like, it's like a little kid on TV.
0: <laughs> oh, no, he's got a point Vivian
1: Mr. Ben Elton, ladies and gentlemen. We quoted this segment a lot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, the listlessness of the dancing in the background.
1: Isn't that how they danced back then? I think
0: it probably was. I don't think there's much exaggeration happening here. (laughs) They got a lot of really good bits into this pilot.
1: Thank you, Ms. N. Elk.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. It's funny how many of the, like, concerns of this particular time are things that we're talking about now in America.
1: Unemployment. Corny TV. Oh, how often we quoted that line.
0: (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> that too. This is this is one of these segments I'm just going to laugh at it. <laughs> it's like Twitter. <laughs> Noted. <laughs>
1: that outfit
0: very impressive TV explosion.
1: Rick believes in a lot of flair he does (laughs) my god so many foreshadowings oh I know
0: that Mike thinks he's going to solve this by seducing the person from the council
1: oh and the first reference to Boomshanker yep perhaps you should have tried seducing a parrot
0: <laughs> I should stress that you do need a degree uh, in the background you see Rick there uh, with his characteristic understatement and of course here's Minerva Minerva McGonagall
1: Wait, does this music come to my garden from Secret Garden? It sure sounded like it. Oh, I don't know. Maybe. There we go.
0: Third poem. (laughs) Another Cliff Richard song, I believe. Yep. That he borrowed the crucifix from Neil. Uh, oh, so gross. He still got that cue in his mouth
1: that tie. <laughs> <laughs> go seeing things like this is why they needed the variety <laughs> show budget <laughs>
0: Guys are the creepiest. I don't really know why.
1: Well, the one on the left shows up later on in a different role, yes. Oh, maybe isn't that's he the why one doing he... the public service message about driving? Oh, that's your right. Career? Yep. I think you're right. This is. Love <laughs> the look on his face.
0: <laughs> it's such an odd ending. But I suppose if they only made one episode, it would have ended here.
1: But it's also not the first time and that, that they have their confusion. something happen to their house thanks to a uh, something that comes from a plane. That's true, and not the first time the house blows up either. But
0: I don't know why I'm watching the credits, thinking there'll be something to say about them. No,
1: um, well, I'm not sure. I don't remember if the other episodes actually have this style of credits. I mean, the, the, the end music, yes, but um, mm. for some reason, I don't remember it being quite so garish. Or at least not over a, um, a blue screen.
0: Yeah, I know. I think it's usually over something that's happening in yeah. the episode. 1982. Yep. All right, and I believe that's it. I believe so. So, what did we think of Demolition?
1: Well, there are parts of it that um, parts of it that I, I adore. I mean, nosing around, I could watch a million times, and uh, that to me mm-hmm. is the most quotable part of the uh, of the entire episode. Um, you know, some of it is just uh, they're still finding their characters and figuring out who they are. And um, uh, but actually, I'm shocked on watching this. Just I remember it being much less coherent and fully formed than it actually is. It's not that far off, actually. Mm-hmm. I was shocked by that. I would agree. I mean, I feel like
0: the the characters get a little bit more uh, dimension after this. Like, I feel like Neil's whole joke is that he's uh, a hippie who's so depressed and wants to kill himself. Um, and most of what he says sort of revolves around that. Um, and I don't know if he really gets any stronger interest later, but it, it doesn't feel like they hammer that as quite as much in the in the later episodes. Yeah,
1: I think there's only so far you can go with that joke is the thing, unless you actually do kill him, but, um, yeah. Mm. And I'm trying to put my finger on what
0: is different about Rick between this and, uh, and the rest of it. He's more, maybe he's more intense here. Like, his attitude is the same, but he, he seems more, uh, I don't know if aggressive is the right word, but he, he just, there's something a little bit more kind of on edge about I him. I am not getting
1: aggressive.
0: You are Rick consensus. Yeah. Um, um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. There's there's something a little bit different about him. Um but I, I kind of enjoy him here. Like he's kind of, he's almost as aggressive I think in, in some ways as Vivian is, um and is volatile. Uh but he, he sort of is a little bit more pathetic after this in a way.
1: Yeah, like I said, I mean he he and and Neil are the two that end up lowest on the totem pole, and and um, uh, well, he'll end up kicking Neil usually because he's the only one lower for the most part. But uh, but Viv and and uh, Mike and certainly Viv um, take uh, take quite a toll on him over the course of the series. Mm. Um,
0: And, yeah, I would agree with what we said earlier about uh, Vivian definitely being pretty fully formed at this point and and Mike being, yeah, pretty close to to where he is. Uh, He's a little less mannered. I think that's what I'm looking for. Like his dialogue here is is pretty dense with like the weird way he talks and he's a little bit more naturalistic later, I think.
1: Yeah, it's again, I think it's tough to sustain that. And, um, uh, you know, especially when you have something that's more. I mean, this, this is kind of a little bit of a bare-bones plot. I think you get more of an actual through line later on, and I think... I think, I don't know. It's It, it reminds me of... Uh, that there was a certain role-playing campaign that we did in college where um, the uh, the GM really couldn't control us, and, and we just kind of went off on our own. Um, our own little characters were a lot stronger than the GM was, and so you didn't get much of a plot. You just had people running around doing stuff, but once you actually have a bit more of a through line, uh, I think you end up... Um, you end up with more of an ensemble and less of indiv- individual pieces, I think, and it, it feels more like an ensemble later on.
0: I don't know if I want to encourage
1: this, but which one are you talking about? Uh, Cybergen role-playing game. Cybergen, the one we were all we oh, were all that's we were right. all twelve-year-old twelve-year-old uh, kids,
0: <laughs> obnoxious twelve-year-old k- runner, cyberpunks. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah. Oh, that's funny. I almost forgot about that yeah, one. Good times. Good times. Yep. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I think I really enjoyed this one, actually, but it is it is so odd um, compared to the other ones. And, and uh, everything that happens after this feels like it's it's more sort of unified. Um, one of the things I really love about the show is evident here, I think, from the beginning. And I think it's probably because of Ben Elton uh, that it's it's a pretty political show, like as much as it's sort of making fun of, you know, would be leftist, you know, uh, socialist martyrs like Rick, um, you know, there's there's a lot of like actual uh, political issues sort of being touched on here, not in a way that I think would really solve anything, but it's it's clear what Elton cares about uh, in in the concerns of the comedy.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that, and and certainly thinking about uh, on what shows up in later episodes going forward, that certainly carries through. Um, yep.
0: Uh, you know, and I, I think that, you know, it's also reflective of the times. I mean, in 1982, I was eight years old <laughs> living in America. So I'm, I'm talking about things I don't know about from what I understand, though. It was definitely a time when like, uh, you know, students were suffering and people couldn't pay the rent and houses were being abolished. And Thatcher was basically just running roughshod over everybody who wasn't already rich. Um, and so it's interesting to sort of see this in that light, thank, you know, thank I don't God know how we've many gotten away from We're sort days. of talking about that. Oh, I know. Yeah. yeah everybody's fine now. None of that stuff happens anymore. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I, I also can't get away from the fact that like, when I think about this episode, I always think about the lentils on the floor and in the snow outside. I don't know why that part grosses me out so much, but it really does. Considering the
1: fact that they eat worse than that later on. I mean, um, uh, it's, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's funny. Um, their food habits definitely come into play um, quite a lot of the episodes, actually, and, and usually it's partially because Neil's the one cooking it, uh, or forced to yeah. go with it on, on uh, um, uh, part of it. I yeah, suppose. it's it's
0: actually possible too that like I probably didn't know that many vegetarians at this point in my life. Like a lot of the things that after uh, after I moved to the West Coast, I sort of take for granted. In the small town I, where I grew up, like, nobody was like this. Um, so it was kind of interesting from that perspective, too.
1: It, it is funny. Like, I know a couple of friends of mine that um, since... From high school that uh, I've talked to since then, and they were big friends, uh, big fans of the young ones in high school, and I, I hadn't seen it, of course. But um, it's interesting thinking, I mean, as you said, trying to imagine if I saw this when I was younger, because um, none of... It's it's its own world to me. I mean, it's interesting. Um, my my school was kind of half. Um, it's, it's weird. New London is like six square miles, and it's like it, it's like it has its little um, downtown and, and like project areas. It has its its um, mansions around the coast, and it has little suburbia. It's it's little bits and pieces every everywhere. But like I, I can't think of like, these characters are not necessarily ones that I would have recognized in people that I went to school with in high school. Um, it made, in college, it made perfect sense, which is, again, like I said, why I think it fit perfect for me around that time. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Yeah, my high school was, was
0: <laughs> to say the least, nothing like this, which I guess you'd expect. Yeah. Um, so, any, is there anything else we want to say about this episode?
1: Um, not not much that I can think of offhand except to say that like I said I enjoyed it more than um, more than I remembered and uh, I don't know maybe after we watched the other episodes I'm like oh my god that's so much better that one sucked by comparison but um, I I was pleasantly surprised by this I expected it to be a bit of a slog
0: yep it just flew by really Mm -hmm. Um, well that is our episode Um, and uh, assuming we make more of this we will go on to uh, the next episode which I believe is Oil. Oil Yeah, so we'll be doing that in the next uh, episode of this podcast. I have no idea uh, when that will be coming out, so just subscribe, and then you'll uh, you'll get all the episodes, all thirteen of them. There might even be more if we can think of something else to ramble about incessantly.
1: I, I know we uh, we had an idea of a Young One sequel at some point, which uh, of course will never will never happen. Rest <laughs> in peace, Rick Mail. But uh, we could talk about that at some uh, point.
0: Uh, yeah, we probably should uh, because if if everyone gets through all of listening to us ramble about this stuff, then they'll surely appreciate our, uh, our brilliant television uh, storylining <laughs> skills. All right, so we've, got,
1: we've uh, got... I don't know, I think it could have worked. We've got, you know, 11 or 12 more episodes to, uh, to think up what sort of bullcrap we would have come up with.
0: <laughs> That's true. Uh, who knows? Maybe we'll uh, do some horrible voice acting and perform some of the scripts that we would have written... Uh, back then if we had uh, uh, been willing to waste that much time oh god
1: so yeah I'm, I'm, I'm all up for that
0: <laughs> oh my god all right well uh, with that threat ringing in your ears uh, thank you so much for listening to this podcast uh, and I hope you listen to the rest of them but if not um, you can just uh, consider this the last episode uh, the house has been destroyed uh, and you don't have to imagine there's anything after this but hopefully, you will not do that. Uh, so, thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Drew. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.